Welcome to Have the Edge podcast for business leaders and entrepreneurs. Every week we share content to add value to you and your business. Today we will interview an influential leader who will share their experiences on the way to success. Your host today is Rick Hans. Please check out business services we offer by visiting www.havetheedge.org. Are you an entrepreneur? Visit our website to subscribe to Entrepreneur Space. Hey Rick, should I add disclaimers? No, are you kidding? No! Welcome to Have the Edge podcast for business leaders and entrepreneurs, where our goal is to help you increase your ability to fully engage your team to deliver exceptional results. Hi, I'm Rick Hans, one of the founding directors at Have the Edge. One of the ways we want to serve you is by bringing you the stories of other successful leaders who are graciously sharing their insights and lessons learned. Today, it's my pleasure to sit with Mike Brewer, host of the very popular Wheeler Dealers television program on a Discovery Channel. Welcome, Mike. How are you today? I'm all right, Rick. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Glad you're here. Hey, listen, I know that you have been in the car business for a long time. I'm curious, why the car business and, and how'd you get your start? Uh, Rick, I really had no choice. It was a, a family thing. My father uh, was a, a quite famous car customizer. Uh, so when I was born, uh, you know, around me, all I could see is sort of engines. They used, my dad used to bring them home and work on them. And uh, by the time I was eight years of age, uh, school holidays in the summer, uh, rather than go out and play with my friends in the park, which I did, but rather than do that, I would choose to go and help my dad out at the workshop. And uh, I would sit and uh, learn all, all I could about cars. Um, reluctantly as well, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't a thing. I liked it because I was hanging with my dad. Uh, but I didn't do it because I had this inbuilt passion for cars. That come uh, later. Uh, my dad used to drag me around car shows and custom car shows. And, uh, you know, I would take an interest in what I was seeing. Um, it was many years later where I bought and sold my first car and a light bulb moment went off in my head and it was that uh, that got me into cars. But th the reason I got into cars from a very early age is most definitely my dad, Roger. Okay, okay. Well, it sounds like you have a streak of an entrepreneurial spirit in you and the first time you actually did it, that just, that just made it come to light. Yeah, I was uh, from the, I'm, I'm the baby of six. So we've got quite a large family. So there's a lot of mouths to feed. I'm from uh, traditionally in my family, and we're from South London. We're poor. We're a poor family. Um, from the age of uh, 12, 13 years of age, uh, my mum would kick me out the door and tell me to go and get a job. So I would go and work on the market stalls uh, and the grocery stores at the weekend, selling oranges and bananas and talking to the ladies and the guys and, and just getting the gift of the gab, the banter uh, on how to sell stuff. And I loved it. And I earned really good money. So I earned this money so much so I could save money, pay my mum uh, 20 pounds a week when I was 14 years of age. I'm giving 20 pounds a week to the family, um, but also at the same time, save some money. So by the time I, I reached uh, my 17th birthday, uh, I could afford to buy my very first car. So I went out and bought um, uh, a Mini. And I was so proud of this car. It was wonderful. It was a a little beige mini, uh, and I loved it. I cleaned it and polished it and nurtured it, and all the things that I'd learned from my dad, uh, I, I put into that car. 
Um, and unfortunately, one day, my sister's neighbour uh, reversed uh, out of her driveway quite fast. Excuse the noise, that's a car starting up in the background. Uh, <laughs> she uh, reversed out of the driveway quite fast and she uh, smacked into my Mini. And um, oh. yes, unfortunately. So the insurance company decided to, uh, to write the car off. They said it was, it, the dent wasn't that bad, but it was bad enough to, uh, for it not to be viable to repair it. Uh, so I had a deal with the insurance company to take the £300 insurance money but to also keep the car and they said yes we'll let you do that and uh, with the 300 pounds i not only repaired the car but i changed the color i put better wheels on it i did the interior and i made it look amazing and um i loved it again i got my mini back but it was better than before and uh, a friend of mine offered me 800 pounds to buy it oh. so uh, that's the light bulb moment i thought wow that, that's easy. You know, I bought a car, I got a car, I fixed it up and I managed to sell it and make myself 500 pounds in doing it. And uh, 500 pounds back in 1980 uh, was a huge amount of money. You know, it was a lot of money. It was my parents were probably only earning uh, 200 pounds a week at that point. And uh, I, I earned 500 pounds in one trade. So I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep doing this. So I just started to buy and fix up and sell cars. And uh, I started from the age of 17. Here I am, 57, 40 years later, and I'm still doing the same thing. My goodness. Wow. That, that is incredible. I love that story. That's great. Hey, listen, tell me, tell me about an important business lesson you learned the hard way. And, and how do you avoid falling into that same trap again? Uh, so it's, it, the most important business lesson I think you can you can give anyone, and I've given advice, and, and I, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I get to speak uh, to people, I get to stand on stage and address rooms of people and business uh, leaders or entrepreneurs. Um, and the most important business lesson you can give anyone really is integrity and honesty. Uh, you know, when you're running a business, no, don't cheat. There's no point in cheating. If you're cheating, that's not the right business for you. You need to be doing something else. So just have real integrity and, and only do uh, only be in business about something you're passionate about. So I'm passionate about cars and I'm not passionate about fish, but I wouldn't be in the fish business because I would resent it because I don't like fish. Um, so I resent it, but I'm passionate about cars and I've turned my passion into my career, into my living and had huge success through doing it. And uh, so the business lesson I always give business leaders is uh, only do what you want. Do what makes you passionate. Why do you want to get up in the morning? What makes you want to be a success and go to work? How do you instill your success onto your team? How do you get your team motivated? I only employ passionate people around me and I employ hundreds and the people around me, they have to have the same passion and they have to have the same motivation and drive for success that I did at a very early age. Otherwise it's simply not going to work and it's not going to work for them either. Love that. I love that advice. That's perfect. One of the shows you did uh, was examining the machinery that the military was using. And I know you've had some experience with battle conditions. What was that like? Uh, that was uh, one of the scariest moments of my life. Uh, it was a, a show that I wanted 
uh, as a passionate um, as a passionate Brit, you know, I love my country and I love, uh, you know, very much so I love my armed forces and what they do for us and protect us, uh, particularly at a time when, uh, you know, we had uh, wars going on all over the world and uh, people were flying aeroplanes into towers. Um, uh, once that once that happened and a war took place, I felt that I should do my bit. You know, I've had huge success. And at that point, I thought there's a chance for me to give something back. So I offered to go out and to entertain the troops, a bit like Bob Hope did. Uh, and, and lots of celebrities were doing that at the time. And I, and I offered to my services. Uh, but the British Army said, well, if you're going to go out there to entertain the troops, and we'd love you to do that. We'd also love you at the same time, if possible, to go and review some of our latest equipment that we've got on the front line. So I took that idea to Discovery Channel and they said, absolutely, let's make a documentary about you reviewing the latest guns, ammo, uh, tanks, helicopters, jet fighters. Uh, why don't you go out the front line and, and test it all and see what it's like, see if it is capable of, of winning battles. Uh, so that was the, that was the idea. Uh, once it started to really happen, there was a part of me going, what have I done? Why did I do this? Uh, and the, you know, when I'm being trained to be a trauma nurse and me and my wife are writing wills, um, you know, it, it was kind of a scary moment. It was a real scary moment. Um, but once I got onto the front line, I just switched into being a professional TV host and uh, did my job and did my job the best I possibly could. And uh, I had some incredibly scary moments being shot from the sky in a helicopter. The pilot got shot in the face. Uh, we, cra we crash landed uh, back at a uh, base. Um, I had the Taliban chase me for 14 hours across the desert uh, whilst I was locked in the back of a, a, a truck and they were trying to uh, blow us up. Uh, but we, we managed to get around them. Um, it, it, was, it was a very hairy time. I got shot at, bombed. Uh, you know, somebody shot my pilot in the face. Uh, but all the time I was there, I, I, I absolutely loved the job that I was doing. And there is a part of you inside uh, that can thrive on fear. And I tuned into that part of my, my body. And I, I realized that the, the closer I was getting to death, because every day, every step you took, you were getting close to death. I realized as, I, as that was happening, I, the more I felt alive, I just felt so alive when I was in Afghanistan. It was a, an incredible experience and one I'll, one I'll never forget and one I'm incredibly proud of. Wow, that is, that is an amazing story. You, that must, you must have come as close to how a soldier feels, feels without actually being a soldier yourself. You essentially, yeah. maybe you were a soldier, sort of. Well, I did. I got trained uh, to fight. I had my last man rights. Uh, so I was allowed to pick up arms in a battle if I needed to and defend myself. Uh, so I had to be trained how to use machinery, how to fire a gun, how to uh, hold somebody's leg on if it was blown off, how to, uh, you know, hold, open up somebody's chest and pump their heart if they have to, um, if I had to. I was trained as a, as a nurse to do that. Uh, and I, I had some incredible experiences and ones that I'm still using today in life and uh, organizational skills, when you're on a, on a battlefield, uh, you're trained that if something happens, you have to take control, you know. It could be the commanding officer gets blown up and there's a lot of people standing, staring at each other without any idea what to do. Uh, so you, I was trained uh, to know how to deal with the situation. 
And lots of that training I still use today. You know, we run large teams of people, not only in my TV business, but in my car business. And being organized and putting people in the right places uh, and making sure that everyone's performing to their maximum is one of the things that I learned from when I was uh, when I was in the army. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, we, we don't have the time to get into that today, but some other occasion, I would love to talk with you about the leadership lessons you've learned. That's fantastic. It'd be a pleasure. Well, what, what advice could you give someone starting their own business today? Uh, so the advice I would give somebody starting their own business is seek advice. You know, don't just jump into it with two feet. Uh, there's lots of people out there that have, have trod the path before and they are the best people to talk to because uh, sometimes you might have an idea that you want to sell. I don't know. You want to start a business where you're selling glass cases. Um, but if the glass case business is defunct because now people are buying glasses for two dollars rather than, you know, 60 dollars and putting them in a case, uh, then it's the wrong business to get into. So just listen to people around you, take good business advice from as many people as you can get, and then tune your business to your passions, to your uh, what's gonna drive you, what's gonna get you out of bed every day, and what's gonna make you be a success. Running a business isn't easy. You know, you are the first person there in the morning, you're the last person that switches off the lights at night, you're the person that every single Monday morning when you switch on the lights, you have, to, you have bills to pay. Every single Friday night, when you switch off the lights, you have bills to pay. Uh, so running a business isn't easy. So you want to make sure that you're jumping into it with your eyes open, with as much advice as you can get around you, but only do it if it motivates you and it makes you passionate. And if you do those things, trust me, you'll have a success. And it's the recipe for success. Um, just being, being, I always say this to, uh, in my TV career uh, with TV hosts, and I, I consult and I train and I teach a lot of people getting into the TV business. And I say to them, you know, it's, it's no good uh, a TV host from a gardener program, gardening program, uh, coming to me and saying, I want to do a, a car show about, car, I want to do a TV show about cars. Um, that, that they're only doing it because it's a job and they want to be on TV. It's not our passion. You know, be a gardener and be the best gardener you can and do a TV show about gardening. Don't do a TV show about cars because it's not right for you. Um, and so you have to follow your, your dreams, uh, your passions, and it is the recipe for success. Most entrepreneurs in, this, uh, in the world that we live in today, and we can name a few right now, uh, Elon Musk, he was passionate about rockets from a very early age. When Elon Musk owned uh, PayPal, uh, the money that he received from PayPal, he bought his first ever amateur rocket. And so that's his passion. That's his and that passion today has meant that he puts people in space. Um, Bill Gates. Bill Gates, one of the world's most prolific uh, entrepreneurs, and he followed his passions for computer science. And uh, it's purely computer science that got him where he is today. Steve Jobs, the same story. Um, Jeff Bezos, uh, the same story. You have to follow your passions to be a success. Love that. So it's, it's got to be in your blood, which is the same as saying it's, it's your passion. If, if you don't, if it doesn't light you up to go do it, then you're don't in do the wrong it. business. You're in the wrong business. Just simply don't do it, you know, and uh, don't force yourself into doing something uh, that you'll regret. You know, there's many, many people that start a business. I know lots of garage owners, restaurateurs, 
bar owners, coffee shop owners. I know many. And uh, there's lots of businesses out there that will start up a business and they'll, they'll diversify their tangents because somebody says this is the next big thing or this is a great idea. Uh, and they will, it will, as soon as their eyes are turned to this next great thing, this next idea, the business that they started starts to collapse because they are not there. They're putting their energies somewhere else. So just put your energies into what you do, uh, be passionate about it, and you'll succeed. Love that. I've always loved cars too. I grew up in the U.S. I was I was born in the '50s, so it, when I was a, a child in the, in the '60s and '70s, cars were were amazing to me. Every year, the styling was completely new, and all the car companies they would they would make you wait every September. They they would tease you with the advertisements of yeah. the, of the new of the new cars, and then want you rush to the showroom to see them as soon as they got there. So. The car fans I know will be very upset if I don't ask you this next question. Yeah. What's your favorite restoration and why? Uh, well, the, my favorite restoration, again, is uh, built on success. Uh, it's as simple as that. And it comes from, and I urge people, if they find the show, go and watch it. And you'll see the passion within this one episode that I did. Uh, and it's uh, a car called the Austin Healey 3000. I found the car, I was living in California. I found the car in Oregon. Uh, I bought the car off a dying man, which was a, a lovely story by itself. Uh, and when I found the car, this Austin Healey, there's something about that car that just, uh, it, it's not like you're buying a car. It's like you're buying a, 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 a thing, an inanimate object that is alive. Because you don't, with an Austin Healey, you don't sit on it to drive it. You wear it, you, you pull it on. It's like a, a jacket, a glove. You just feel in tune with the car. They're amazing cars to be around. So I bought this uh, Austin Healey, which I absolutely loved. And I wanted to show the audience that through my passion, how you can make this car a real success. So I followed uh, a, a very good formula for success, which was how do I, right from the offset, before I even went and see the car, I knew that I was going to do this. I thought, how do I make this car sellable to an auction audience? How do I just tune in this car purely to an auction audience? Not an audience who's going to sit in the car showroom. Not somebody who's going to sit parked on the side of the street with a for sale sign. I wanted to captivate people that only will see the car one minute. When it rolls up onto the auction block, a spotlight goes on it and it rolls off but I wanted to captivate that moment. So I started to think about how can you prepare a car just through auction? Uh, so I tuned into three things and that's sight, sound and smell. Uh, so for sight, it was British Racing Green, the car. I polished up the paintwork so you could see your face in it. It looked absolutely amazing and polished up the chrome so you could see your face in it. Uh, for smell, I changed a dirty old black leather and I put brand new sumptuous red leather interior inside the car. So not only was that sight as well, but it was smell. You got the smell from the leather. And then for sound, I took the exhaust pipe that comes out the car and usually goes out the back and I turned it sideways towards the audience. So when it came up on the auction block and it gives a rev, it's loud and it's barking at the audience. This is a 
beautiful looking shiny car that smells beautiful and listen to the engine it's revving and it's amazing and i showed you just through those three things alone i took a thirty-five thousand dollar car and within one minute i sold it for seventy-five thousand dollars that's success that's incredible i understand wearing a healy uh, I had a 62 Austin Healey oh. of 3,000. I love that car. <laughs> oh, God, you make me jealous. <laughs> Trying to keep three carburetors synchronized was always Oh, no, it's tough. It's tough, but once you get it, once you get it, it's perfect. Love that. Hey, I know that you are very active in the car industry beyond hosting the popular Wheeler Dealers. What, what drives you to be as active as you are? Um, I can't uh, sit down. You know, uh, I'm, the, I'm the patron of several charities, motoring charities. Uh, I like to, I've had an amazing life. And through uh, what, I, what I learned as a child, uh, which is a great work ethic from my family. I'm the baby of six. Every single one of my uh, brothers and sisters grew up to be amazing people uh, that worked tirelessly to support their families, including my parents. Um, so I've got a very good work ethic. And I, uh, I can't sit still. I'm useless at being, uh, at being still. Uh, one of the things I've been doing recently, uh, especially during these tough times of COVID, uh, when I find myself with a tiny bit of time, which is very rare, uh, because uh, there's so much going on, uh, both myself and my wife, we've been taking ourselves to the local soup kitchen and we've been dishing out food to the homeless and to the, uh, uh, to the you know, women uh, that have been beaten up and, uh, and we've been throwing ourselves into a little bit of charity work that way as well. Um, because, you know, the car industry has been amazing to me. My success is fantastic. And uh, I feel I can give a little bit back of my success and, and just cheer people up. You know, I'm, I'm passionate about making people smile and, uh, and cheering them up. And if that means giving somebody a, a bowl of food and, uh, and, and, you know, giving them a wink when I give them a bowl of food and saying, all right, my love, there you go, you'll enjoy that. And it puts a smile on their face that just makes every day better. Love that. Where can, where can our audience find out more about some of these charities that you're involved in? Uh, well, you can follow them actually online. So they, uh, my motoring website is mikebrewer.tv. Uh, the big charity that I work with is called Sporting Bears. Uh, Sporting Bears is actually a motoring club this year so far. I'm the patron of Sporting Bears. This year out of COVID, we've just raised £250,000, uh, which we distribute to uh, children's charities all over the UK. Uh, we've got a big event coming up, of which I'll be chairing, and uh, we'll be raising even more money. Uh, I'm the patron of another charity called Seesaw. Seesaw is a, an amazing uh, charity based in Oxfordshire. And it's bereavement counselling uh, for uh, children who's either their siblings or their parents are uh, dying. And it's, uh, it's bereavement counselling before that happens, during it and after. So it guides them through the process of what's happening to their family. And it's OK. And, um, you know, how to deal with it. Um, and it's an amazing charity. And uh, they've had a really tough time through COVID, not having the sponsorship that they need. Um, but fortunately, after COVID, we've been going at it and we've raised some really good money uh, to keep that going and helping these poor children uh, get through uh, the grief that they're going through. Um, uh, plus, I'm helping uh, this soup kitchen in my local area uh, in Warwickshire. It's called the Esther Project and it's to help 
uh, battered women who uh, unfortunately don't have a life at home with their husbands and they need to go to a shelter to get food for themselves because they can't eat at home in fear of their own lives. And um, I'm raising money to give them an amazing day out in London uh, later on in the year for Christmas. So uh, that's been a good thing to do as well. Well, I'm glad that you're doing that work. It's much needed work and I know you're changing lives. Uh, as Thank we close you. today, what, what final thought would you like to leave with our audience? Uh, I think the thought really is um, uh, just try to be, I, I'd say this all the time and it's, some people don't get it, but I, I'm pretty sure your audience will. It's, um, it's something I said earlier, actually, uh, just go through life being the best version of yourself you can possibly be. Uh, be honest, don't cheat, don't lie, don't be a, don't be a, a scoundrel. Uh, just be honest with yourself and be honest with the people around you and smile, you know, smile every day, smile at everyone you meet, even if they're your enemy, smile at your enemy, they will hate it. Um, but just <laughs> but just go through life with a, uh, I always say, my wife always says, and we've been together 32 years uh, with my incredible wife, Michelle, I always wake up every day and I say every day I wake up with my tail in the air and, uh, and I can't wait to face the day ahead um, because I know that each day I can make a difference. I can make a difference to myself, uh, to the people around me uh, with my positive attitude and uh, my always um, uh, attitude to success. I know that basically every day is an amazing day and we should enjoy every one of them. And I would just say to your audience a really simple word, Smile, smile every day. Okay. Like you are right now, Rick. <laughs> Mike, thank you for sharing your insights and your passion with us today. And, and thank you to all who are watching or listening to us. We appreciate you so much. If there are any specific topics you'd like to hear us discuss on Have the Edge podcast, please email us at info at havetheedge.org. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. In the subject line, use the words interview topics. If you'd like to know more about how we can help you better engage your team, please drop us a line again at info at havetheedge.org. Until next time, this is Rick Hans signing off. Thank you for listening to Have the Edge podcast. Please leave us a rating and a review. Visit our website at www.havetheedge.org to explore our business and entrepreneurial services. If you have any queries, please email info at havetheedge.org. And to keep up to date, please follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. <laughs>